Well, good evening. There is a, a very well-known song in our culture, uh, speaking of this time of year, says it is the most wonderful time of the year. And uh, I think many of us uh, would concur uh, that the month of December uh, might be uh, the most uh, celebrated and, and favorite time in uh, your year. Uh, and many of us uh, refer to this season as uh, the season of Advent. And you may be uh, familiar uh, with that word. Uh, it's a Latin word uh, that means the coming. Uh, and uh, the season of Advent uh, was uh, established and, and recognized by church leaders uh, back in the, the 6th century. Uh, and the Advent season was uh, to begin on the, the Sunday closest to November 30th, uh, and it would lead all the way up to Christmas Eve. Uh, and, and these uh, four weeks uh, were organized by the church to be a time of uh, reflection and uh, growth, uh, a time of uh, meditation upon uh, the coming of Christ, as, again, that word Advent means. Uh, and it's probably not new and, and shocking to you. Uh, we're familiar with that term, Advent, uh, but we, we may not be as familiar with setting aside uh, the four weeks from uh, Thanksgiving to uh, Christmas Eve uh, to really focus upon uh, Christ uh, and His coming. Uh, for many of us, it, it feels like uh, these last four weeks are set apart for heavier traffic, uh, and shorter tempers, uh, or maybe for uh, stress and fatigue, or fretting about uh, parties and gifts and budgets uh, and decorations, uh, or uh, as many of us uh, are uh, currently experiencing, I know many uh, within our congregation uh, have been uh, sick this month, and this is maybe four weeks set aside for, for coughs and runny noses uh, and uh, fevers and sore throats. Uh, but, but each and every year, these four weeks seem to move faster than any other four-week period throughout the year, right? Uh, and uh, what's remarkable is sometimes at the end of those four weeks, we, we find uh, that we have spent even less time meditating and putting Christ before our hearts and minds than we do throughout the rest of the year. Uh, because there are so many other things uh, vying for our attention. Uh, but uh, when the Advent season uh, was originally established, uh, it had not just a, a singular purpose, but a, a threefold purpose. Uh, Advent was a, a celebrating of the, the coming of Christ uh, with, in three distinct ways. Uh, and I'd like to look, to look at those three, you could say, celebratory uh, focuses uh, this evening as we gather together. Uh, the first focus of Advent season uh, is a celebration of Christ coming into the world. Uh, and this is what we are uh, most familiar with. Among uh, Christians and churches today, this has become the, the primary focus uh, of the Advent season. We celebrate the coming of Christ into this world. Uh, we, we sing about it. We, we speak about the incarnation, uh, that God became a man and, and dwelt uh, among us, that he was uh, born of a virgin. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, uh, an angel comes and speaks to Joseph with these familiar words. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 to 23. Uh, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Jesus' birth was indeed humble and lowly. He wasn't born in a palace. Now, he was born in not a great city even, but a very small village and in the family barn. As we, as we read in Luke chapter 2, it says that there was no room for them in the inn, is what the translation from the ESV. But uh, I think a better translation of that word, the inn, uh, is really the guest room. You see, it was a, a census that was called and everybody went back to their hometown. Well, when you go back to your hometown, who do you stay with? Your family. Mary and, and Joseph went back to their hometown. They went to Joseph's family. And, and the better translation is there was no room for them in the guest room. Now, they, they weren't turned away by an innkeeper with a no vacancy sign. They were turned away by Joseph's family. He said, there's room for you with the animals. Uh, And while Mary and Joseph are uh, shut out of the house and sleeping with the animals, it was under those circumstances that in the providence of God, Mary gave birth. So you think about that. There were more animals than people present at the birth of Jesus. Very humble beginning. For the Son of God. And that is indeed worthy of our contemplation. As many of you have probably heard, several weeks ago there was a significant number of tornadoes that hit uh, the southeast and especially across the state of Kentucky. Now, there was one tornado they said was a, was a mile wide uh, and it touched down uh, and it was on the ground for several hours. It literally carved a, a scar across the land. Dozens of people uh, died and some are still missing. And if you were a a Kentuckian in the aftermath of those tornadoes, uh, you would have been grateful for anybody that would have come to your aid, right? Uh, If uh, uh, you were without home, without power, without water, uh, anybody uh, who would come and and give you a, a blanket and something warm to drink, you would be grateful for Uh, And you would be grateful if they had come in from Tennessee, a neighboring state, to minister to you. But you would probably be a little bit more thankful uh, if somebody came in from maybe Maine, right? That that would be a a greater sacrifice on their part to travel a greater distance to come to your aid. Uh, Additionally, if, uh, say, maybe the, the senator from Alaska came all the way down to Kentucky, traveled a great distance to come to your aid, and additionally, uh, across a a great social status, right? Very important person travels a great distance to come to your aid, to come and and minister to you. And how how much more would you feel grateful, maybe if the the Queen of England uh, should cross the Atlantic, uh, not just to to donate money, but to come and, and give you a blanket and a hot cup of coffee after your house has been obliterated by a tornado. How would you feel? Right? 
You would feel that she uh, considers you of great importance, that she would sacrifice and give of her time, uh, that she would travel a great distance to come and be with you in your time of need. Right? And this is worthy of our contemplation as we think of the Incarnation. We read Luke chapter 2, the world is in darkness, lost in sin, mired in suffering, weighed down by the curse. And think of the love and concern of God as he looks down at humanity and he says, in this situation, he sends forth his son to come to a very humble beginning and to come and be born again, not in a palace, but in the barn with the animals. Jesus traveled from heaven to earth. He laid aside all the riches and majesty and glory of God. He condescended and came down to us to minister to the people of earth. Throughout all of history, no one has traveled further and no one has given up more to come to someone's aid. We might also add that there is no greater danger from which we need to be rescued. Right? Yes, tornadoes are bad, but sin is of greater concern. Sin has separated us from a holy God and weighs upon us constantly. In the words of uh, the main character in Daniel Defoe's novel, Robinson Crusoe, as he comes to his senses, he, he writes this in his journal and says, And I add this part here to hint to whoever shall read it that whenever they come to a true sense of things, they will find deliverance from sin a much greater blessing than deliverance from affliction. Now, and that's what we have to realize. Now, as, as we meditate and contemplate what we have been saved from, uh, the great distance that Jesus traveled in order to save us, the depths and the humiliation and the sacrifice just to, to come and be here with us. Contemplating this, how great should our gratitude be? How deep should our thankfulness be? How deeply should we cry out adoration and praise to God? who would send his son to Jesus, who would humble himself to be born of a woman. This is what we celebrate and meditate during the Advent season. Christ coming into this world, but that is not the extent of our celebration. Uh, There's a a second focus as well. Advent is a celebration of Christ coming into our lives. Uh, And for everyone who has looked to Christ in faith, everyone who has renounced our trust in ourselves, uh, that we are good enough and we have done enough, uh, if we look to Christ in faith, Christ is now here with us to stay. We have the opportunity to celebrate the reality that Christ has come into our lives. Uh, The story of the incarnation is marvelous and majestic, uh, but the story is just the beginning. Jesus came to live and die and rise again so that we could be justified, so that we could be forgiven and adopted, so that we could be set free from the power of sin and death. Romans 5 verses 8 and 9 say that God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Christ has come to save us from the power of sin and from the wrath of God. But he did not merely do this. Jesus is not just a a human hero who has come to save once uh, and then uh, departed away from us so that to leave us to fight in our own strength. He has not wounded the dragon and then said, "Okay, you guys take it from here. Okay, You, you guys are smart. You guys are strong. Figure out how to continue to fight this battle. Jesus has not done that. See, the goodness of our Savior for believers is that He has come into our lives to stay. He has sent His Spirit to dwell within each of us, to lead and guide us, to strengthen and empower us, to comfort and encourage us. Indeed, the profession of faith from the Apostle Paul is that Christ lives in us here and now. My my favorite verse, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And that profession of faith from the Apostle Paul should be the profession of faith of every single believer. Right? Christ now lives in who? In me. In all who believe. Christ has come into our lives, and His coming into our lives also changes and transforms our lives. It gives us a new purpose and a new direction. We no longer live for ourselves, but we now live for Him. Think about that, right? Because we have been crucified with Him. And now we live with or for Him because of what He has done for us. Very similar passage, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Now, the implications of this should should loom large over our life, not merely during the Advent season, but each and every day. Charles Spurgeon, in a a Christmas sermon in 1855, uh, said these words to, to all of us who have placed our faith in Christ. He says, you might say that I have professed his religion... And I am his follower. But does he rule in your heart? Does he command your will? Does he guide your judgment? Do you ever seek counsel at his hand in your difficulties? Are you desirous to honor him and put crowns upon his heart? Is he your ruler? Blessed Lord Jesus, you are ruler in your people's hearts. And you ever shall be. We want no other ruler save you. We will submit to none other. We are free because we are the servants of Christ. 
We are at liberty because he is our ruler. And we know no bondage and no slavery because Jesus Christ alone is monarch of our hearts. That is a reality that we should be focused upon celebrating during this month of Advent. Not merely that Christ has come into the world, but that he has come into each and every one of our lives. And he has come to transform us. And to give us purpose and meaning in life and to reorient our life away from living for ourselves, and calling us to live for him. But there is still yet a third and final focus of the, the Advent season that we should keep on our hearts and minds during this month. And Advent is a celebration of Christ coming again in the future. And what's interesting is if you were to, to look at the, the history of Christmas, prior to World War II, this third focus was the main emphasis of Christmas. Since World War II, uh, the, the cultural celebration of Christmas has kind of devolved into a, a children's holiday. Right? Uh, the focus upon uh, children and that couples together nicely with, with the first focus that we looked at. Jesus uh, coming into this world uh, as a human baby. It dovetails nicely with that. But prior to World War II, Christmas was primarily a celebration of Christ's future return. And if we if we rightly understand uh, that Christ has come into this world and if we rightly understand that Christ has come into our life, uh, we should rightly understand this third focus as well. Uh, And this should bring us uh, the most and greatest joy because Christ did not come to the earth on a, a leisure trip. Now, he has not come into our lives in search of some, some temporary company, uh, and then he's moving on. And that's not what he has come to do. Uh, he has come to seek and to save a people so that we would be with him for all eternity. Jesus has promised not only to save us, but to return for us, uh, to bring us to be with him. He has promised to put an end to sin and suffering and pain and death. Revelation 21.4 says, And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And I know, know many of you have probably been listening to Christmas music uh, for about the last 28 days or so, right? Since uh, Christmas, if you were sprinting to get to Christmas music right after Thanksgiving, at this point, you're like, I'm almost done. Uh, And uh, at this point in time, you may be so familiar with all of those Christmas songs that you've really begun to to, kind of drone out the lyrics. But if you if you think about the lyrics of well-known Christmas songs, and if you think about really good Christmas songs, They don't just sing about Christ coming into this world. They include the focus upon the salvation that he came to bring. And then they look beyond just the salvation that he brings, but they look forward to his return. You think about the the lyrics to joy to the world. 
where it moves beyond just merely announcing and rejoicing in the birth of Christ, but it looks forward to the reversal of the curse and the reign of Christ on the earth when he returns in glory. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. The final verse of I heard the bells on Christmas Day. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail. The right prevail with peace on earth. Goodwill to men. What time is that speaking of? Not in the here and now in the future. The final verse of angels from the realms of glory. Though an infant now we view him, he shall fill his father's throne, gather all the nations to him, and every knee shall then bow down. The end of O come, O come, Emmanuel, says rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come again with us to dwell. And as we will sing in a, in a few minutes, one of my favorite Christmas songs, the, the final verse, To all glory be to Christ, says it, And when on that day the great I am, the faithful and the true, the Lamb who was for sinners slain is making all things new. Behold, our God shall live with us and be our steadfast light, and we shall ere his people be. All glory be to Christ. Christ is coming back and all things will be made right at that time. And we will be able to be with him in glory if we have looked to him in faith now. Uh, the trials, the sorrows, the suffering, the viruses that we live with right now will one day all just be a memory. All of these things that we are working our way through as we plod ahead in pursuit of Christ. All of these things are but fleeting moments. Uh, and, and whenever we are suffering in this life, what do we tend to, to yearn for more? Right? What, what should suffering lead us to do? Should lead us to, to long just a little bit more for heaven. Uh, longing for Christ to return. Longing to, to be with him and to be set free from sin and from the curse. This is uh, intended to prepare our affections for eternity. And every single Advent season, this is what we should be remembering and recalling. Uh, that we long to be with Jesus and that he one day will be coming back for us. What a reminder. And how greatly is it needed? This world is not your home. The gift that you unwrap tomorrow morning, or maybe tonight if you like to cheat, those gifts that you unwrap, you're not going to take them with you. The, the, the gifts that you unwrap will stay here on the earth and they will all, every single one of them, eventually be consumed with fire. They're not here to last. 
But our king will one day call us home to be with him. And the gifts that he gives are infinitely greater than anything that we will give or receive at any Christmas at any point in time in our life. And the home that he prepares for us is better than any earthly dwelling. And that's what we must set our mind and affections upon this Advent season and every single day of the year. And as I said, uh, Advent season runs from the, the Sunday closest to November 30th, and it concludes December 24th, leading up to Christmas Day tomorrow. And we should keep in mind this threefold focus of our celebration of Christ's coming. That He has come into the world, that He has come into our lives, and that He is coming again in the future. The world around us is, is seeking to take Christ out of Christmas. And we must be so intentional to put Him into Christmas. Right? It's easy and natural for Him to get pushed to the side. And we have to be intentional, not just to put him in Christmas, uh, put him into Christmas, but to put him into each and every day of our lives. Uh, and I would, I would say this to, to the parents, and especially the fathers, spiritual leaders in your home. What part will Christ play in your Christmas? How are you intentionally guiding the thoughts and shaping the affections of your children to be focused not upon uh, earthly toys and earthly blessings, but upon Christ. Uh, And again, that doesn't happen naturally, right? Your kids naturally get excited for the gifts under the tree. And so we have to be intentional with this threefold focus. Uh, And if if you haven't spent any time Intentionally thinking about how do I make sure Christ is the focus? How am I going to, to shape the, the thoughts and affections of my children to be for Jesus during this time? If you haven't thought about that yet, you, you have a few hours uh, to, to put some, some thought into it before tomorrow morning. But I would plead with you. Be intentional. Now, this is one of the greatest times of the year to be intentional with our kids to be intentional about telling them who Jesus is what he has come to do how they can know him and he can come to be with them and then pointing ahead to the future reminding them framing again their entire life inside the story of history that God gives us in the scriptures that one day Christ is going to return And he will make all things right. He will bring an end to the curse and his blessings will flow far as the curse is found. And we want to be found in him on that day where we will get to sing to him in person. Amen. Amen. We long for that. But until then, we get to sing to him as a congregation, worshiping in spirit and in truth. And we're going to sing a couple more songs this evening. But let's go to the Lord in prayer 
thanking him for all that he has done and all that he is. 